This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational marijuana across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. Today's guest uh, on the podcast is Ray Gracewood. He's the Chief Commercial Officer of Organogram Inc. at Moncton, New Brunswick. Now, I've known Ray for many years. Ray used to be a beer guy over at Moosehead Breweries, has spent a long, uh, many years uh, marketing beer, uh, and is familiar with the ins and outs of um, any kind of substance that's um, got any sort of regulation around it. As you can imagine, Ray is an employee of uh, Organogram and on the inside of what's going on there would have a, a very interesting perspective. You know, I get into it with Ray about a few things. One of the things I was really fascinated by was what he tells people at a party when they ask him, you know, where he works. Um, as you can imagine, that might generate some interesting conversation, including what he tells his kids when they ask where he works. And that answer might surprise you. So coming up, Ray Gracewood. Enjoy it. So, Ray Gracewood, Chief Commercial Officer at Organogram, Inc., and I can't decide what I want to ask you first, to tell me a little bit about Organogram or to tell you about uh, what a Chief Commercial Officer is. I'm not sure I know. Why don't, why don't we start with that? All right. Well, um, well, a little bit about Organogram. So, Organogram is one of 67 licensed producers in Canada. Uh, so, essentially, what that means is we can produce, cultivate, and uh, and sell medical marijuana to uh, patients right across Canada. We work with, under what's called the ACMPR system, which is the federally regulated system here in Canada that allows us to um, provide uh, cannabis and cannabis products uh, to patients. Um, in terms of my role, like I've been at Organogram for pushing on two years now. And uh, my role is chief commercial officer. And what that means essentially is I oversee sales, marketing, and client service uh, for the company, which is kind of an interesting, uh, you know, opportunity because, you know, it's sort of the first time that it's really kind of operated within a regulated and legal environment, you know. So when you think about you know, sales of, of cannabis or marketing of cannabis. It's kind of a new and exciting kind of opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's a bit of an understatement. Like, everything you just said is kind of crazy to me. Like, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a new reality, you know, and, and the, the, the honest truth is in the last 18 months or so, I think the, the entire, cannabis industry has evolved so rapidly, not, not only to somebody like me, who's sort of up to my neck in the industry every day, <laughs> but just, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, the public, right? So yeah. um, mass media in the news every, every day, there seems to be, you know, some kind of progression of, you know, federal legalization or the normalization yeah. of cannabis or what have you. So, so with that is going to come business opportunities, right? And, yeah. and, and sort of organigram is kind of part of that engine. And, um, you know, like, as I said, it's a pretty cool thing to be part of, but if I was to go back two years and say, you know, essentially I'm going to be working on the commercial side of cannabis, you know, I'd, uh, 
I'd want to check myself. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I um, I'm picking up on something right away that that you're saying, and this is this has been something that I've been fascinated by. And you know, I have a feeling you're choosing your words carefully, and you're saying cannabis, you know, um, versus weed or pot or whatever the case might be. Part of me wonders if you're choosing that word, like that's the socially acceptable term when we when we talk about it in the context of legal or regulated. Uh, well, for now, medicine. Um, but are you choosing that word carefully? No, no. It's. Um, I mean, I'm 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 choosing my words strategically. Yeah. And the the reality is is that um, you know with this industry comes you know years and years of attached stigma. Yeah. Um, and and part of our job from an industry perspective is is to be able to overcome that stigma and you know, essentially to elevate cannabis in the eyes of whether it's the public or it's experienced users or it's people that are cannabis naive and, and they're sort of interested in, you know, what, what is, what is adult recreational use going to look like in mm. 2018 when I can walk into a store and, and buy cannabis or cannabis products, you know? And, and you know, the, the thing is, is that, yeah, um, obviously weed and pot and, you know, 420 and bong loads and all this, like <laughs> it's, it's got this history and in, in pop culture and, and, and we'll continue to have, but at the end yeah. of the day, I think that, um, you know, if we want to work as an industry to overcome some of these attached stigmas and, and essentially to normalize it as a socially acceptable, you know, uh, consumer package, good, essentially, yeah. then we've got to yeah. make sure that we're you know, singing from the same book and, and, and we're using the right sort of verbiage that we want people to sort of embrace or that we feel, you know, does the product justice. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I mean, I've known you for a long time. Um, and, and I was, we, you and I first met in the beer business, um, the marketing yeah. beer and, you know, here we are, like like you say, on the cusp of this legalization and regulation of recreational use, you know, a product that's typically been hidden away and and, and certainly been treated like something that should be. Uh, I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like on the verge of you know prohibition and that the whole thing ending and all the implications that would have would have had to have had to have been considered when when that was taking place. And now here we are, right? Uh, where marijuana is about to be legal and regulated. And I don't know if anyone really truly knows um, the implications that that may or may not have. And and yet it's about to happen. And so you've got this inside um, look, uh, at least from an LP perspective, and, and what that's going to potentially be like. So what's the experience been like for you? It's been two years, and I'm imagining the learning curve has been massive. Um but here you are, two years in, less than a year away from it being legal. What's this done for you? Yeah, so I, I mean, um, to your point, like I'm, I'm coming from beer, right? So I spent 12 years working for Moosehead Brewery and had an incredible run there. But it was, a, it was a market that you know, beer in general is a market that's relatively mature, right? It's yeah. established. It's been around, and it's sort of you know, grown since the 1930s in prohibition. Um, and it, you know, essentially in a lot of ways kind of gives you a sandbox. Yeah. Uh, two years ago when somebody picked up the phone and, and sort of put this opportunity in front of me, the first thought that came to my head was, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, incredibly cannabis experienced. It's, it's not, you know, something that personally like plays into my life on a daily basis. 
But what I did see is I saw that there was an opportunity to sort of become part of something in its essentially in its kind of fetal stages, right? Yeah, right. So what I found over the past two years, the most exciting parts have been, you know, working in, in trade groups with other LPs and people like Ad Standards Canada and, and, and provincial and federal governments working on like policy and right. regulations and guidelines and, and having these kind of discussions that, you know, you're essentially, you know, blazing the, the, the path, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and I think that, um, that piece of it is sort of conceptually what appealed to me the most before I took the opportunity. Um, which yeah, it's was, a new which industry. Like, it's a new industry. It's a new yeah. opportunity. It's you, you know you get a chance to develop a brand in, in a world in which brands don't exist. Yeah. Like how 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 amazing is that? And how <laughs> yeah. often does well, that kind of idea you know come? Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying, but on that point, I mean. There's a lot of debate, discussion. I don't know where this is going to end up. You may know more than me at this point, but that whole notion of the branding um, and what you're going to be able to do. I mean, what is I've heard, you know, no branding. I've heard, you know, it'll be treated like alcohol. I'm not quite sure where it sits now, but, you know, I know there's a lot of money being put into uh, branding across the country um, in the hopes that it will be able to be used. I suppose there's some risk in that. Um, if legislation comes down and says it can't be, what do you think? Well, I mean, um, we are completely supportive that the number one objective through this whole process needs to be public safety. Right. And a big part of that is education. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it would be our view that a big part of consumer education when it comes to buying a product, whether it's a cannabis product or any other consumer packaged good is understanding that allowing brands to live is how you educate the public on differentiated product. And yeah. it's how you communicate to people that this is a safe product and something else may not be a safe product. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we've been having a lot of discussions at both the federal and the provincial levels around, you know, what is the retail environment going to look like? What's going to be allowed? And I think that there was a lot of noise in the public around, you know, behind the counter, white label products, no packaging, et cetera. And I think throughout these discussions, like since the task force announcement was made public several months ago, we've made a lot of progress, I think, on that file to say, you know, there needs to be some flexibility there in order for the legitimate market to compete with the illicit market. Because right now in the illicit market, brands are allowed to exist to a certain extent. You can go into a dispensary and buy prepackaged products that actually look in some cases legitimate, some cases not at all legitimate, but (laughs) you know, like in some cases legitimate, right? And and if a brand is allowed to exist in an, an illicit market and your objective is public safety, like, you know, you, you can't be selling something, you know, black, black packaging with the skull and crossbones, right? Yeah, like right. You, you need to, you need to sort of embrace this idea that brands can be used to elevate the conversation, to sophisticate mm. the product and, and to destigmatize the product. And, and I think that the conversation is very quickly getting to that point. And I'm confident that there's going to be, you know, a responsible amount of, uh, of flexibility there to yeah. to allow brands to exist and to allow packaging and some of these other things that consumers are used to seeing on on retail shelves. Yeah, <clears throat> the stigma thing is something that uh, 
kind of fascinates me, to be honest. I mean, depending on who you're talking to. I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure for you, but for me, this this topic is is almost a daily conversation. You know, it's coming up, and no matter what circle of people I'm talking to, in business, socially, whatever the case might be, this is coming up. I mean, how could it not? It's, it's practically in the news on a daily, if not hourly basis. Um, right. But it's amazing to me the... Um, the different perspectives people have, you know, uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, you know, who, who was suggesting that their grandmother, my God, if you brought the idea, if you brought up the word marijuana, you know, you were thrown out of the house. It was like, it might as well have been a bullet, um, you know, versus other people who, who choose to use it like they would choose a fine wine. Um, so my experience has been that there has just, there's so many different levels of Maybe education is the right word or perspectives, but there is still the stigma. What's, I mean, I'm trying to imagine you and your role and whether that be at a business function or a social gathering. And I'm, I think I'm more interested in the social gathering side of this. You know, you're at a, a party, a function, whatever the case might be, and somebody says, what do you do? And you tell them you work at Organogram. How does that conversation go? <laughs> yeah, so that's a good question. So, and and to be honest with you, I've um, not to say I, I've I look at it as a positive thing. I, I've been in a position, you know, in my previous life working in beer. I've always been in a position where you know it's pretty it's pretty easy to have a cold conversation with somebody you've just met at a party, yeah. right? Whether that's beer or weed or what have you, yeah. right? So, um, the one thing I will say is, it's it's continuously blowing my mind how quickly perceptions are changing. Right. So in in the past two years, and, and again, just due to sort of media support, this idea that people just now know that it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it, it's happening. Yeah. And now here's an opportunity for you to get educated and understand what that means between now and July 1st of 2018. Right. Um, the one personal story that I've got that sort of comes to mind the most is uh, with my mother-in-law. So, you know, my mother-in-law is, is a very conservative person. Um, and, I love this uh, already. And, and when, <laughs> when, uh, when I told Marsha that, um, that, I, that I was, you know, moving away from beer, which she didn't like to begin with, I'll be honest with you. I don't think she ever liked the fact that I worked for a brewery. Oh, um, I, I didn't know if you meant I, she didn't like you were leaving it or that she didn't like you were there in the first place. Well, uh, I think I think both. I think yeah, she right. got comfortable with the fact that I was there, and I was, you know, like putting food on the table for her grandkids. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but, you know, still the whole beer lifestyle thing probably didn't fit so well. Right. So, so anyway, so I mentioned to her, you know, that uh, looking at this opportunity, and it's with a licensed producer, and you know, it's within the cannabis industry, and I see this big opportunity. It's going to be great. And and her, you know, only point that she made, like through the tears rolling down her face was um but surely they don't actually grow it there right <laughs> and i'm like oh, of course they don't marcia right don't. no 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 um <laughs> so and then um so th- so that conversation happens time passes it's literally maybe a couple weeks uh maybe a little a couple months maybe in into my career at organogram and um She's at the point where she's literally sending me links to articles about cannabis products for oh, dogs in Europe. Right. And and how quickly, you know, just after, you know, a couple of conversations mm-hmm. about, you know, what the opportunity looks like, what, what the medicinal benefits are. So she's of the age of, call it in her 60s. Her friends are in their 60s. They're dealing with chronic pain and, and a yeah. lot of them have had... <clears throat> 
you know, differing levels of experience with, you know, pills and opiates and, and all these things yeah. that, that people these days are, are involved with, the more research she does on the potential benefits, especially from a medicinal perspective, which is the entirety of our business, right? Um, she starts to come around very, very, very quickly, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think the more that I have conversations, I, I get five minutes to sit down with somebody. Yeah, I can essentially change their mind on their perceptions of of, of what it is to work in cannabis, like yeah. almost instantaneously. And then, and the reality is, is the proofs in the pudding, and that there's so much medicinal value. It's a legitimate business opportunity. Um, it's one of those once in a lifetime things that comes along that, um, you know, is just a cool thing to be part of. Yeah. I, I still, we're like, I, I love the idea that we're witnessing the birth of a new industry. I mean, I, get, I mean, it's the only time I think in my lifetime I've seen that. Well, outside of like, you know, CDs and that kind of shit. <laughs> but, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um, What's that, you know, you're talking about being able to change, to change somebody's perception in, in like five minutes. I would have to believe at this point, you've got that spiel down to a bit of a science. What's, where do you start? Well, I think, I think in most cases, it's sort of understanding where somebody's coming from and what, what, you know, at at this point, I, you know, it takes a lot less than what it used to take sure, even yeah. like two years ago. Right. So, yeah. um, the reality is, is that somebody comes up, they, they generally have three or four questions. Yeah. Right. So what's so, a typical question? You know, like what, throw me one. Typical question would be, what, what's up with these dispensaries I keep hearing about oh, yeah. <laughs> or where, where is it going to be sold? Right. Or, you know, what, wh- what's the deal with edibles? What sure. the hell is that all about? Yeah. Right. So there, there's a lot of these sort of macro topics that are cannabis related that essentially are very much in the media. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misinformation. And, and I think that's mostly to do with the fact that it's a new industry and people just yeah. haven't seen it yet. Right. And things believing. So mm-hmm. if you haven't been into a dispensary to make a purchase, you don't know what that experience is like. You right. don't like what's being, you don't know what's being sold there. You don't know who's behind the counter. You don't know if there's security at the door, you know, like there's all these things that are still very much unknown. So a lot of people right now at this point, the conversation begins with a series of questions that they have. And, you know, I've, I've spent enough time either in front of a camera or kind of speaking with people within the trade or at conferences or what have you to, you know, have a, you know, a pretty enlightened perspective on, on most of the things that are, that are, you know, hot buttons with people. And, and, and once they get those sort of questions answered, it's pretty much like, okay, where can I invest? (laughs) Yeah. Where do I, where do you sign me up? Yeah. Now, have you you encountered anyone who's for whatever reason, you know, violently opposed to the idea? Surprisingly, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, certainly not violently. I think my, <laughs> my general demeanor doesn't allow it to escalate to that. Right. But, um, or, or who I choose to spend my time with. Maybe. Right. Um, but uh, I, I mean, there, there's, there's, specific, there's, there's people, I think, who, you know, maybe need a little bit more time to get comfortable with the concept. Yeah, that's a good way to put but it. But the, the reality is, is, you know, we're not... Uh, we're not talking about something that has really any form of history that is, you know, we're not talking about, you know, guns. We're not talking about hard drugs. You know, we're not talking about something that, 
you know, is associated with, you know, really negative social connotation. Mm. It's, it's, you know, with a little bit of education, people very quickly get to a point of asking themselves like, like, what was I all freaked out of? What was that whole, like, you know, like this whole misconception, you know, going back to the seventies and it's reefer madness and all these kind of completely outdated stereotypical kind of product focused things yeah. just unfortunately have had legs, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, as I said, I think we're very quickly starting to get over them now. And what about, what about parents? You know, have you had the, the, uh, a chance to chat with someone who's concerned about, you know, what are they going to say to their kids or how might it affect their kids? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I, I'm I'm very much involved in my community. Whether it's uh, I've got a bunch of kids, so you know, you do coaching have a bunch sports of kids. teams, or <laughs> I do, yeah, um, you know, a lot, of, and and just kind of very socially active. And I'm involved in my kind of city and on the tourism side of things, and and what have you. So I mean, um, I'm in a fortunate spot where people people kind of know what I do, and right. and I I think there's you know, an element of respect there that, that is open, that makes them open to understand a little bit more about, you know, how this can be a great opportunity and such. I think, you know, as, as a parent, um, I haven't, I honestly, I haven't had any difficult conversations with, with anybody. I think, uh, there's a lot of parents that are interested from, you know, just total transparency and the investment opportunity, um, interested in, you know, like my perceptions on how this thing is going to come to life. Yeah. But I think as, you know, you know, a parent of, of my kids and, you know, do I get anything in and around, like they're not going over to hang out at the Gracewood house or any, <laughs> like none of that, you know, there really, right. there really isn't. Right. So, I mean, I, I can understand, I guess how, how it, it, you know, it, it might potentially be something, but to be frank and honest, like it's, uh, it's just never really been an issue. Yeah. Now, now what about it's, it's you know, I was just going to say, um, to this point, the way that I've kind of explained it, you know, like to, to my kids. Yeah. That's where and, I was going. Um, yeah. you know, okay. Yeah. Is, is, you know, I work for a medical company right now, which mm. is completely true. And, and, you know, my older kids, I've kind of sat them down and explained to them as, as best I could sort of, you know, what they're going to be exposed to over the next five or 10 years as they grow up and, and how they need to get educated much like they need to get educated on, you know, um, beverage alcohol or junk food or, or anything, you know, like, um, it's going to be a part of their, you know, how they're they're sort of, how they, how they grow up and go through their teen years and, 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 and how social occasions are going to evolve and, and all these kind of things. So, you know, I've I've had sort of very high level conversations with some of my older kids about that. Yeah. But um but essentially to this point it's been, you know, daddy works in medicine, makes people feel better. It's funny, you know, uh, I mean, I could argue that you know, junk food is worse um and many other things. I mean, I used to That's have That's an easy argument to make. Yeah. I, I used to have this idea, well I still do have the idea that smoking cigarettes is 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 worse than what any any sort of ingestion of of marijuana might be, but uh, I have a feeling that kids growing up now, especially after Canada Day next year, let's assume that that's when this happens, 
that life, that that's going to be very different. I mean, I think the perception, acceptance, um, you know, engagement in this product um, is going to be very, very different for kids growing up, you know, in a year from now than, than it was maybe for all of us. And I don't know if that's going to change behavior at all. I mean, I, I, I really don't, but um, I don't know. It's still, it's still a very fascinating um, subject to me. And I even wonder how you explain that. You know, you mentioned you talked to your older kids uh, about this. Have you had the chat with the younger ones yet? Uh, it hasn't really come up, but I mean, the same as um, we haven't gotten into the birds and the bees or, or alcohol <laughs> or any of these other things that, um, you know, will come with age, right? So it's not anything that uh, I would shy away from. It's more just of a timing thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, the societal opportunity will, will be interesting to see how it evolves. The, the thing that people don't realize, I don't think, is, is that this this market exists right people consume cannabis already right, right? Yeah. and 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 even from a business perspective that's why it makes it such relatively low risk is that you know the industry already is there right, right. and yeah. and um it's it's just a half step away from getting people to understand that you know cannabis and cannabis infused products is is so much more than say combustibles Right, and that and that's why it sometimes gets dogged down into this tobacco conversation right. yeah. from a health perspective. Is is people just have this outdated view in their mind of you know big blunts and wafts of smoke and yeah. And, yeah. and of course they're going to associate that back to tobacco. But when you think about edibles, topicals, infused beverages, when you think about you know tea and coffee and chocolate and all these other kind of really unique opportunities for, for cannabis products to exist, you start to think about, you know, the whole industry much different. Yeah. Listen, what conversation are you dreading more? The birds and the bees or the, uh, the marijuana one? (laughs) (laughs) Birds and the bees for sure. (laughs) For sure. Right. Isn't that something? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, you know, you were mentioning the idea of the, of the industry already existing. And uh, one of the things that I find, I still find kind of interesting, actually, is the amount of uptake on, I think, patients uh, when, when people were starting to be allowed to get prescriptions. And I, I don't remember where I read this, but this idea that now the, the federal government is sort of freaking out that they may not be able to keep up with demand. I mean, that tells a bit of a story, I think, doesn't it? Well, it tells a story in that, um, you know, the the rate at which Health Canada is onboarding new licensed producers and the speed and the financial resources that it takes in order for them to get online with a significant amount of production um, just isn't going to get us where we need to get to fast enough. Yeah. Um, now, now that has changed specifically over the last few months where they're starting to to ramp up with with pace, which is great. Uh, but the reality is, is I, I think that it's a known fact that early days within the adult rec market, uh, there likely is to be an inventory shortage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it will come with time. I, I think that uh, supply meets demand sometime around 2021, I think, is one of the, the oh, more wow. recent reports that, 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 that I've read. Um, 
And it's one of those things where as an industry, we'll use the next three years to kind of figure things out in a lot of ways. And like anybody who thinks that this is going to be easy or seamless or without issue bumps in the road is insane. Yeah, of course. It is, it is a massive product industry distribution, retail regulatory process Mm -hmm. that is incredibly complex and there will be bumps along the way and there'll be lessons learned. And I think, you know, I'm here in New Brunswick, which is a blessing in that we're probably one of the most progressive provinces in the country yeah. in around embracing this kind of opportunity, which, which, which puts us at, a, at an advantage. Um, but there are other provinces that, you know, aren't there at all. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think most provinces, I know certainly the federal government, Health Canada have visited most of the legal U.S. states and have done their due diligence to figure out what lessons they've already learned, which puts us in a great place to federally look at the opportunity and be able to take into consideration learnings from Colorado or Washington State, Oregon, et cetera. Um, but at the end of the day, applying those kind of learnings to the Canadian market um, is only going to get us so far. Sure. And, and there will be bumps along the road and, and it's going to take time. And I think you know, it's a big political hot potato. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on getting it right and all these things. But my hope is that everybody's prepared to take a deep breath and understand that there will be bumps along the road and it will take time to get right. But it's got to be a thing that we we embrace as a a long-term strategy that, you know, it will evolve and it will improve over time. Just work through it, yeah. I mean, I think New Brunswick just announced their distribution plan, yeah, through the NSLC there, or the MBLC, sorry? Yeah, that's correct. 20 stores or something to 15 communities, I think is what I read. Yeah, that's uh, roughly their initial plan. And how does what was your reaction to that? I mean, I, I assume that you would have read that the same the rest of us did, like you didn't have any inside track on that information, did you? <laughs> I read it the same as everybody. Um, so, uh, we, like the, the the nature of the relationship with, uh, say, the government of New Brunswick in general has been great. Whether that's through, um, you know, different sort of political departments, or whether that's through opportunities in New Brunswick or, or what have you. Um, you know, every every province is different, and every province, you know, is is used to, you know, running things a certain way. So. Um, my view and, and part of the reason why it kind of made sense for me to transition from beverage alcohol into this space was that my view was that considering the timeline and, and the crunch that was going to be on making this work, most provinces would go with what they know, essentially. So yeah, right. whether that's a government-run regulatory body or it's a public-private kind of hybrid or, or if it's more of a private model, um, in a lot of cases, like right now, they're around eight months, right? Eight months to throw up 20 stores and to create the floor plan and the supply chain and logistics plan, category management, assortment, supply contracts, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And isn't some it's of the crazy, isn't some of the rationale for why the liquor commission doesn't some of that have to do with the fact that they're already dealing in a controlled substance They've, you know, store locations are mapped out based on proximity to schools, that kind of stuff. Is that going into play? Well, I think it's a, 
it, it's a piece of it. I, th- I think honestly, it's a it's a small piece of it. Um, th- those, you know, in terms of putting out tenders for stores and, and finding out where the locations are, et cetera, they they do. They've got experience doing that. They yeah. they understand what it takes to put up a store, who the right construction companies are to work with, all these kind of things. Um, you think about like merchandising units and furniture and like all of the things that it takes to sort of be a retailer. Yeah, they've got experience doing that in right. in in this market anyway. But again, um, I look at somewhere like Alberta, for example. Um, there isn't a government-run, uh, for lack of a better term, monopoly on beverage alcohol in Alberta. Right. Uh, so there, that's a that's a market where it will be interesting to see sort of where they net out because, yeah. you know, the environment is just it's just different there. So. So Ray, I wanted to bring up the Trailer Park Boys. Um, I know that you guys have a an arrangement with them, uh, which I'm sure for a lot of reasons is a great idea. What's maybe just talk a little bit about that that strategy and what you hope to to achieve with that partnership? Okay, um, yeah. So so I mean uh, that that partnership is is very much focused on the adult rec market. It has nothing to do with our current business, which is, uh, as I mentioned, medicinal. Um, our strategy as a company going forward is that, you know, we feel the market, the adult rec market will be all about uh, segmentation and brands and, and understanding, you know, for lack of a better term, consumer need states and, and different demographic, demographic or target groups. Um, Trailer Park Boys have sort of a built-in following their brand is very relevant to sort of cannabis lifestyle. Um, and there's a, you know, a little bit of an East coast connection as well, although they're very much a, uh, national, if not international, uh, brand. East um, coast, yeah. yeah. I mean, where, where we come in is from a production and cultivation standpoint, as well as having the capabilities from a commercial perspective to, you know, do the packaging and do the distribution and, and sales, all that kind of stuff. Um, they, you know, bring their brand essence and and some of their, you know, marketing abilities to the table. So, you know, they expressed interest that they wanted to, you know, look at uh, developing a brand of cannabis using their equity, and and we obviously have the facility and the product and the expertise to help make that a reality. So that's where we saw alignment between the two groups. And and uh, so at this point, that's one of the opportunities that we're looking at for the adult rec market is. You know, how do we leverage that equity into um, into into a brand or into a product? Yeah, and hopefully by by the time that I I guess happens, maybe the some of the stigma that could potentially be attached to that has been changed. I mean, to your earlier point about how quickly people get around the idea that uh, they'll realize it's a it's a branding thing versus anything else. But. Yeah, for sure, and and you know it's interesting because um, you know the Trailer Park Boys equity really has nothing to do with the equity that. You know, we've built behind the organogram name, which is all about holistic health and medicinal and all these kind of things. Yeah. And it also has nothing to do with, you know, some of the other brand concepts that we're working on for, for adult rec. So, you know, back to this point about segmentation, understanding, you know, what, what are the different groups of consumers that are going to be interested in products as of next summer? Um, you know, we, we need to be open enough to say, you know, do do we have a major player that appeals to what we would consider to be the major pieces of the pie of the market? And and then we go forward and create strategies and, and creative, et cetera, behind all those brands. 
Exciting stuff. Uh, so one last question. Canada Day 2018. You think it's going to happen? Oh, it's certainly going to happen. Yeah, I think they've made it incredibly clear that it, that it's going to happen. You know, I mean, differing levels of preparedness, I think, across the country. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, on or before July 1st, um, you know, whether in you know, some places it might be direct mail online only. In some places, it could be a series of government-run uh, storefronts. And, and, and who knows what other kind of elements sure. will be brought into models you know, as they become, you know, public, but, um, yeah, sure as hell, July 1st, 2018 adult recreational market will be, uh, will be a reality for sure. Crazy, crazy days ahead. Well, listen, man, it's, uh, always a pleasure to chat, um, you know, beer, uh, cannabis, whatever you want to call it, whatever vices you choose to get into next, right? We're always happy to check. Uh, so, uh, congrats on the move and, uh, thanks for sharing. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, Sean. appreciate the time. Bye-bye. Thanks to Ray Gracewood, who joined us today on the podcast uh, from Organogram, Inc. Stay tuned in the next episode when we have a doctor on the show, Dr. John Gillis, who may sound familiar to some of you, particularly in the uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia region, will be joining us, a doctor's perspective on the next episode. Uh, This is Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. See you next time. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 